Welcome to the program, guys. On today's show, we have Kirby Crochelle. She is currently the Senior VP of Online Marketing, as well as the VP of Marketing for Crochelle Entertainment Group. Kirby, it's so good to finally meet you and have you on the show. Oh, thank you so much. This is, I'm so excited. I've never been on a podcast before, so this is my first one. So go easy on me, please. I, I'm honored to have uh, the exclusive um, and, you know, your your area of expertise is marketing. A lot of what my show talks about is communications, marketing, all the stuff that kind of goes behind the entertainment that we see, uh, you know, every day. What kind of got you interested in the field? I know it's kind of a family business. Yeah, so I definitely grew up in the industry. My birth was actually announced in Billboard magazine, 1990. Hey. If you find that, I think it's like a January 11th issue because I was born on the first. Anyways, um, you know, just I grew up in it. My dad was in it and I never would have thought I would get into it. I kind of just had this amazing opportunity and I just kind of went for it. When I was going to college, I tried college for about a year and I was just not really finding anything that I loved. And I had marketing professors say like why are you doing this it's in your DNA clearly and so I had this opportunity to manage a backstreet boy and being a child of the 90s I was like my heart is full I am so here for it and that's kind of what really launched me into making this a career for myself because prior to that I was just you know the office assistant making appointments cleaning the office and doing all mm-hmm. these like tasks around the office but it was always you know help my dad out and then this opportunity came along and I couldn't pass it up yeah so how long have you uh, actively been involved with the company now um gosh I think it's like going on 11 years as like full 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 time okay and then there was two years while I was in high school that I was the you know, intern staff, like support right. staff in the office. Um, did you ever feel a sense of pressure from your dad to join the business? Absolutely. <laughs> I actually, so I actually have an older brother who um, he's named after my father. So I know he had a lot of pressure on that as well. Yeah. Um, but he does have some um, disabilities. He's uh, on the spectrum. And uh, oh, so wow. For him, it was more of like, hey, I can't get into this. I need something that's a little bit more laid back. And I am my father's daughter. I I am literally a little mini clone of him. So when I did get into the industry, I just had that knack for it like he does. He has such a great outgoing personality, gets to know people. And that's something I admire so much about him. And I think I kind of tried to do that same thing. And Hopefully I have over these years. Yeah. Um, to give the folks at home an idea of the kind of clients your dad has represented, uh, what's the client list? Oh, gosh. I mean, are we talking prior to Crochelle Entertainment Group or? Whatever's like, just give, mean, me, give me the big names. My childhood was Madonna. He ran mm. Maverick Recording Company. So I was, I met Madonna on several occasions. Um, They developed Michelle Branch. So I met her when she was about 17 and really see her shape to be like such an amazing singer songwriter was such a cool thing and Deftones. I mean, that's my childhood. And then getting into like (laughs) being a teenager and when my dad did found the company, um, 
you know, we've always kind of been a family actually with the clients. So Jackson Brown has been a longtime client of ours. Um, we worked with Jason Mraz first out the gate way back when, mm-hmm. um, and that was before I was with the company, but that was pretty cool. And there's been just such a roster of amazing, talented people. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's incredible. It's very humbling. Do you ever get, get starstruck anymore? Uh, start starstruck. Every musician I could see myself honestly getting starstruck over is. Britney Spears because mm. I am such a Britney Spears fan but you know I I'm just I grew up in it and I uh-huh. and I also know firsthand they just want to be treated like normal people like the rest of us I mean I've been at Disneyland with AJ eating pizza and people are like can I take a picture you know it's just people don't realize the life that they do sign up for with that but yeah it's it's fun sometimes <laughs> Do you, are you able to get a work-life balance with the demands of the job? Um, you know, that was something I used to struggle with, I would say. But right now, I think I'm doing pretty decent. I yeah. do have a fiancé and two dogs. so And we're planning our <laughs> wedding right now. So, it's you know, I have to try and find that balance. But that's also where it is kind of like a blessing and a curse to work with your family. So. Yeah. But my family, I love my dad and my mom so much. So I, I just feel so grateful to have them as my employers too. It's just, it's a unique experience unlike most people get. Well, I, it's not quite the same thing, but I remember with my dad being in the music industry, just as a cover band guy, you yeah. know, like being in his studio and seeing all the instruments, like when you're it's around all that normal. stuff. So people are yeah. like, oh that's so cool and I'm like just another day in the office you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's um I would I would freak out too about Brittany what's yeah. the latest with like her uh getting her money back from her dad well I think there's supposed to be a deposition really soon I think it's supposed to be in in June this month so yeah. it I'm very very intrigued so she hasn't yet to speak on it so I know she's been all up on Instagram these days and posting about her and her boyfriend. So I'm, I'm watching okay. <laughs> part of the free Britney movement. Let's go. <laughs> uh, leave Britney alone. I still remember that video, but um, yeah, I mean, let's talk about Britney for a minute. Cause I thought about, her. okay, yeah, let's get into and, it. And um, she's great. Let's, I mean, anybody would say she's great. I have but- this amazing thing that I say about her that most people love once I say it. Okay. Talk about it. I love Britney Spears because she doesn't even realize that she is Britney Spears. Is she a humble person in your experience? I think she's just so aloof and there is this like comedy, but like just, she's the ultimate goddess in my mind too, that when she's dancing and performing, you could tell she's thinking about what that next move is. Mm -hmm something about her that like no other artist I think can do that and pull it off the way she does well and thinking about I mean I I grew up when she kind of had her freak out for a while you know was bald and had the umbrella attacking the pop yeah it was a rough one for all of us (laughs) yeah I mean for her to come back from that I mean that's that's quite a triumph I think personally I think I think that shows how strong of a person she is and that's where 
I have so much respect for her as a human. And I mean, as far as your job and trying to help an artist succeed, I mean, ultimately that's your job. Yeah, um, I mean, Fred you... created the company based on keeping that creative, you know, intact. The artist's reputation is really at the end of the day, only good as we make it. Right. So making sure that that branding is on is such an important aspect to it. Um, what's the difference between a manager and an agent? So when we're talking agent, really that refers to a booking agent usually okay. in, the, in the music terms. Um, whereas like in, you know, TV and film, your agent is the person that's like going and searching out interviews or, you know, um, so anyways, a booking agent, you know, they book the shows. They are actively talking to promoters and venues and trying to, you know, sell the show, the live show. And then a manager, we kind of come in and we oversee all aspects. Okay. So there's really like a few pillars that you need as an artist. You need a manager, an attorney, and a booking agent. And then hopefully you also have a business manager in there. What would the business manager handle? They are a glorified accountant, I want to say. All okay. due respect, love all the business managers that I work with. They are some of the smartest, most amazing people that I have the pleasure of working with. So mm -hmm. they are actually such an essential part of that team as well. But, you know, basically the manager oversees all of that and usually talks directly with the artist about what it is that they want to do and kind of oversees the brand you know, think of it as a business, as an entity that it is a mm -hmm. corporation that, you know, you have to all these different like presidents of different areas and departments so that people can work together because each aspect is so niche and it has so many details that yeah. it, it is a full-time job to be a booking agent and talk to all the different promoters and stuff. So yeah, I mean, it's guide. <laughs> it's similar to, um, radio and tv in my experience yeah not quite as much for radio because i mean you're running your own board at this point because staffs are getting cut so much but especially for tv like you're only as good as your weakest link which is why yeah. you need a team around you um you said your dad didn't always have his own company what what kind of inspired him to break out and do it do his own thing so he was in negotiations with madonna and her team about you know, he had always been a contracted employee. And at that point, he really wanted a piece of the pie, so to speak. And he wanted some kind of like ownership of something that he helped build. Mm -hmm. And um, when they couldn't come to an agreement, because it really wasn't about the money for him, mm -hmm. it was about, you know, having some ownership and, and really staking his claim there. And so when they couldn't give that to him, my dad and my mom talked. I was not in, involved in that conversation. I was mm -hmm. at, at the time, I think it was like 13 or something. And uh, so my dad created Crochelle Entertainment Group. And the next day he got a client. So I think you sometimes, go. you know, when you just believe in yourself or you believe in something so much, it is worth the risk. And yeah you know what 18 years now that the company's been around and pretty impressive and yeah I I'm mean pretty proud of him 
yeah, clearly based. I've seen the client list. You you have a reason to be proud. Um, yeah. But uh, a lot of your job involves uh, social media, and yeah, I got to tell you, um, <laughs> social media exhausts me. Is it ever it, exhausting? To it do? is a continuous treadmill that just never ends. And thankfully, I love learning new things. So I'm yeah. always trying to like find out what the latest thing is on TikTok or whatever is going on, you know, just depending on the artist to what platforms we need to focus on. But yeah. social media is such a work in progress all the time. It's the wild, wild west with the internet. So social media platforms go along with that. So it's always evolving, always changing. Mm -hmm. And it's, so crazy because I actually started the social media accounts for our company over yeah. what 13 years ago now or so and when I started those they were obviously nothing and they're nothing of note too much now but the way that social media is tackled and approached mm -hmm. is so different nowadays it's so different from a year ago prior to the pandemic social media was a whole other game mm -hmm. and it's so it it's definitely exhausting well i think too that um i mean take this podcast for example the fact uh, you're coming are you out of uh houston now Is that yeah right? i'm living in houston texas i mean the fact that we can do a tv show basically with me in indianapolis you in houston and then i can put it out within an hour you know and that's the beauty of the internet right <laughs> But then it makes it so much more competitive. That's what scares me. Yeah, you know? I mean, the, the pressure for continuously creating content, I think yeah. that's the pressure and the strain that all of us content creators and producers have to think about because yeah. that is literally every single morning I wake up, I'm like, okay, I need to do posts for this person, this person, this person, this person. And, you know, you have to change each post different for the platform so that it works for them mm -hmm. and you know there's all these factors that go into it and it really is like a science experiment in a way I just it there's never one direct formula that works so you always yeah. are changing and trying new things so you know it I'm always about trying it out and if it doesn't work it doesn't work at least you tried you know yeah well and I think I think that ignorance really isn't allowed anymore. <laughs> like things have been <laughs> the cancel culture that started last year. That was like so yeah. prominent. That was, that was wild. Well, I mean, it's like things are becoming so affordable and the internet's so widespread that you really don't have an excuse to not at least know about it. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, but like, then there's also so much propaganda on that end as well, you know, that people right. yeah. leave and they feed into. I think I saw a post on my Facebook feed that was fake. I'm not even going to go into what it was because I don't want anyone pigeonholing me and saying, oh, <laughs> not because of X, Y, and Z. But uh -huh. basically, was it was fake and it was obvious that it was fake. And so I literally commented. And I was like, y'all know this is propaganda, right? Because if you don't think it is, then damn like we need yeah. to really reassess things but people believe what they see they don't want to like do the research they don't want to try and find out more information so that's where as content creators we have literally a fraction of a second to get someone's attention so what is going to be that thing that gets that person's yeah. attention and it's always changing it's a it's really a rat race how um if you're somebody that 
kind of has a following or feels like they have a brand that they can sell um how would they how would you go about growing their engagement like how often should you post uh hashtags like all that minutia it's all so different it depends on what the real goals are you know is the goal Mm -hmm. you know i've had artists that have come to me and they want to buy their followers and i hate that I am not about that whatsoever. I'm all about real engagement and organic growth. Mm -hmm. Obviously, when you do advertising, you're going to get some growth along with that. But I'd rather it be like that when we're trying to sell and promote something versus just buying followers to buy followers. But I can tell you that nine out of 10 people, artists, bands, whatever, that come to us that are probably under the age of 25 or younger their followings are fake Hmm. and it's so frustrating because we have to sell the music how do you sell music to a bot you can't right and then that then that alters your numbers and it makes it more difficult to do your job down the line yeah so really there's a lot of factors that go into like how to boost someone's engagement and it really is like what content were they posting before? What content worked? What didn't work? You know, mm-hmm. what time of day are they posting? There's so many like different little aspects. So usually whenever we have an artist come to us and they want to hire us to do label services, I do an online evaluation of all of their social media and all of their online, you know, platforms that are available. And a lot of the time they're hard to find. And, um, And it's just one of those things where it's like, it could be so easy to make those things all cohesive, but people Mm -hmm. don't really realize how easy that is. So they kind of set set themselves up in a short situation there because maybe they focus too much on the Instagram that their Twitter and their Facebook or TikTok or whatever else platforms are being neglected. So you really have to also find that balance there of like, what content works for what platform and what the audience really is wanting to get yeah I've noticed with like clips for Noel Twitter's amazing for that stuff and then you have Instagram and nobody cares like at least in my in my following and that's not surprising most of my followers are like 18 to you know 28 you know they're not gonna really care um, See, it's, but, it, it, then yeah. it's like a format thing it's it depends on what people how right. they want to consume media there's mm-hmm. so many different ways to consume media if you think about it we have tv we have radio we have podcasts we have so many limitless things at our fingertips that it's like you can jump around and get information wherever you want mm-hmm. so yeah you know <laughs> it's what those- uh, what podcasts are you into what, what do you like to listen to um Oh, there was this really good podcast um, that my dad was recently on. It's an all Deftones podcast. And I got to, I wish I, I knew had the name on hand. Uh, I think it's in the change in the house of pods of Deftones podcast. And um, I grew up with my dad marketing the Deftones and, and running okay. um, Maverick cool. recording company. And I remember my brother and I would actually wear the merch to school, you know, the white, the white pony. I mean, we were elementary school kids. We had no idea what that reference meant or anything about that, but we would wear the gear. We would do everything. Like, it's so funny that, you know, I kind of grew up in this industry and then now these people 
are so iconic that there's a podcast about them. But um, Woody, who does it, he's a great, great host. Um, You should check it out, actually. It's a really good podcast. He's had some uh, awesome people on there that I know personally, too. So it's always kind of fun to listen to my, uh, I guess, colleagues now. They're people that I grew up with, but I do tend to work with them now, which is kind of funny. But what part of the country did you grow up in? Um, so I was born in Texas. Okay. Me and my brother were born in Texas, but, uh, we were raised in Los Angeles. Okay. So I, I went to a very nice, you know, school growing up and everything. Very, you know, very nice neighborhood, all that good. Did you shit. go to school with anybody famous in, in Los Angeles? Um, everyone's family member or like you know, maybe an aunt or someone at least was always in the industry, you know, yeah. people kind of knew that of me, like that, you know, my dad <laughs> ran it on his record label and I, my dad's yeah. in the music industry and he has all these cool plaques in our house. So, you know, there's a lot of that, a lot of athletes. And, um, I actually went to school with, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the artist Haley Kiyoko. Um, I'm not, but I'm sure there's someone that is out there, you know, and it's, it's really funny because she is exactly like the same and so cheerful and positive and, and it's also, it's so great to see her have success and be like, Hey, I went to school with her. And there's a couple of people that I do know have made it into the industry now themselves as well. So, you know, we kind of grew up in that neighborhood, (laughs) all of us. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I, it was kind of a similar experience for me. I went to a high school with a full radio station, uh, you know, nice. I, and then my dad, you know, uh, he would have people that he played in bands with and then their kids would be friends with me, you know, so kind of a similar upbringing, just being around it. Um, yeah. Did you work with anything uh, like music festivals, like a fire festival, hopefully not the same result as a fire <laughs> festival, but uh, things like that, Burning Man, that sort of thing? Um, I haven't done anything as of recently. I did have Red Foo at Ultra Music Festival, but the way that that's set up in Miami is like so different from any other festival because it's kind of like different venues in Miami that have these like parties and these events okay. that people go to. So it's a little different than a regular festival setup, but I have not had to do Coachella or Stagecoach or EDC or anything yet so Mm -hmm. hopefully I have an artist that's getting into that market soon though I um I watched the fire festival documentary both of them I was gonna say did you watch both because I watched both too (laughs) which one did you like better um well I feel like the one for Hulu that's the one where it's like mostly him talking right and he I just, I think he's like a spoiled jerk that was just trying to use and abuse people and celebrities way in a way. And it was all about him getting the almighty dollar. So they set themselves up to for ruin at the beginning anyway. So they spent all this money on marketing and then just thought people will come and they did come and then, and they didn't do it right. So Yeah. yeah, that's that. The Hulu one, I was not the biggest fan of just because I feel like he's so slimy and skeezy. And then I really liked the Netflix one just because I feel like it was more factual and straight to the point about what did and didn't happen. Yeah. And I thought, I mean, 
besides the event being a total cluster from beginning to end, um, I thought that the orange square was a brilliant plan. Like that makes you <laughs> the, stop. The right? timing, I mean, that's the thing is coordinating these things is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, making sure that everyone does this one post at this one specific time. And it, mm-hmm. it's a very, uh, hey, they coordinated those efforts very well. They just did not coordinate the actual festival very well. <laughs> yeah. And one, one other thing, I mean, and it's, uh, it's biology, you know, it's, uh, you know, they had all these Instagram models come down and, you know, be part of the marketing. Part of marketing is being marketable, right? Yeah. How much of like being a star is about looks? Well, I remember if we're talking about the fire festival clips in particular, yeah. when I first saw those as a consumer, I'll take off my marketing hat and put on my consumer hat. As a female, I was like, well, that's unrealistic. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where my mind went immediately once I did see those. But uh-huh. to answer your question, how important is looks? Unfortunately, I feel like looks obviously have become such an important aspect in our day-to-day lives. Mm-hmm. So um, I never want to say it's the most important because I, I think talent should come first. Um, but there are a lot of really pretty people that aren't very talented that are making a ton of money. So, you know, power to them, not going to hate, you know, Hey, they figured out a way, a loophole. (laughs) I I work for a living, but that's okay. You know, I'm happy with that. I mean, one thing that is making me happy with like all the podcasts that are coming out and nobody's really afraid to say anything anymore (laughs) on either side. Um, It's pretty great. I think that people are becoming like more authentic and it's been difficult for me because I came from like traditional broadcast background, like Dan Rather, you know, like yeah, that's, that's straight. Me. You're talking to the audience and that's right. all that matters. Yeah. And it's been hard to like break outside of that mold and just be exposed. But I you think have that's... to show off yourself and your personality and you basically have to sell yourself every single day. That's yeah. what we're all we're selling ourselves every time we post on social media. <laughs> also, like being politically correct. We've, we've touched on politics a little bit. Like, yeah, you got to be careful what you put out anymore. You know, I really I personally am that type of person where if I'm going to share anything, I try to do the research, read the article. And if I feel strongly about it, I might do something. But I personally like to try and stay away unless it is something so fictitious that I'm just like, oh my gosh, people, come on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Growing up around like Madonna and all these folks that you grew up around, did you have like themed birthday parties and they would show up and perform? (laughs) So my birthday is on January 1st. So Mm. birthdays were tough for me growing up weirdly until I turned 21, ironically. So... (laughs) Um, birthdays were tough. Um, you know, cause my dad worked a lot when I was a kid, he was always working. And so the holidays were really our time to just spend some time together as a family. Mm-hmm. My birthday is always on a holiday, <laughs> right? A yeah. week after Christmas. So, you know, we've always been at, like just together as a family. And that's kind of been like my big birthday celebrations, except for this year, I got engaged on my birthday. So wow. that was, that was that was yeah. the most exciting one, I would say, yet. 
Congratulations. Uh, and that, and really, uh, you know, new year, new you really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's Goodbye awesome. 2020. I think we're all over it. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to cancel my subscription a week into 2021, but that's, that's beside the point. Um, best, uh, concert you've been to as a fan. Oh, well, I remember my first concert that my dad took me to that was a concert that I wanted to go to that wasn't work related was the NSYNC No Strings Attached tour and that was amazing and I had a freaking blast (laughs) um and honestly any kind of 90s artist I am fangirling (laughs) like crazy a couple years ago I before COVID I went to TLC I went to the Backstreet Boys I mean I've had a great like ability to work with these people and being able to go to their concerts and enjoy myself is like it's part of why I put in the work (laughs) is there someone that you haven't met or haven't seen that you would like to at some point well, I've seen Britney quite a few times. I did not mention I went to Ve- her Vegas show and uh, I've seen her on the circus tour and I've seen her at Formula One. She is a goddess. Um, and Bruno Mars too. Oh my God. He is an incredible, incredible performer. Yeah. I mean, I was like eyes glued to him the whole time. Um, but who haven't I seen? Hmm. I feel like you're constantly at a concert, so it's not I like mean, you're going to go as a fan, right? You yeah, know? you know, going as a fan is like a very uh, foreign experience for me, actually, because it seems that every concert I go to is for a client, and I'm not mad at that because I have worked with some really awesome people. Uh, you mentioned Bruno Mars. I watched um, a James Corden uh, carpool karaoke with him. The dude's awesome. so cool. Like, oh my gosh! I feel I mean, um, I, I feel like are most of the artists about what they what you would expect, or do they have? Is there a difference? You know. Well, there's always two sides to the artist. Okay, so yeah. as a, I, I've, I've on my side of the industry, I've basically seen them be the person that they are expected to be, and then also be you know, a grumpy pants because, Hey, we all get grumpy and I totally get it. So I've seen the whole, you know, the different sides of people like that. And, you know, I I would always say that most of the artists that I've had the pleasure of working with, they always turn it on for the, for their fans and they are so kind and sweet to them. So, you know, I think it, it really is like, we're all human. So if you catch someone on a bad day, unfortunately that's where how they might be but you know most of the time I think these artists they want to be that person that that fan wants to meet and see so they try to live up to those expectations at all times which is a lot of pressure for us to put on people so no wonder they get grumpy right (laughs) yeah yeah as far as um your expectations for yourself what where do you see yourself in a few years Kirby um living back in Los Angeles, hopefully. Um, so we can get things going there. (laughs) You know, I mean, if I'm still at the company, I see, hopefully we've expanded some of our, you know, divisions. I mean, there's a couple of things that have been in the works for the last couple of years. So it would be really cool to see one of those opportunities come forth. And, um, 
you know, just I'm always open to like new experiences and working with different artists. So there's, you know, you never really can predict the future, especially living in this industry. You can't predict three months from now. So, you know, it's, I, I just kind of let the wind go and I was like, all right, let's see what happens. I, I love it. Um, for folks that want to keep up with you on social media, where can they uh, follow you? Um, my handle on pretty much everything is XO Kerbalicious. Very so. nice. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Which was given to me by a radio promo guy. That okay. <laughs> that, that doesn't surprise me. Having worked in radio, like that sounds very, yeah. It was my dad, uh, DE, Darren Eggleston. He worked for my dad over at Maverick and they were best, best buds. And uh, so when I was about two, he gave me that nickname and I remember I hated it. And <laughs> then social media became a thing and I was like, cool, I'm just going to make my name this. And it's That's... my brand now. I can't get away from it. <laughs> Just got to stick with it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Kirby, that, that's about it. Do you have uh, anything else that you wanted to add? No, I just want to say thank you so much for this opportunity. It was so much fun. And, you know, hopefully we can do something else together soon. This was a lot yeah. of fun. No, absolutely. We'll definitely do that. Uh, you can check out JBK on air.com to hear this again. Also subscribe to the show by searching JBK on air wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, folks, have a great day and a better tomorrow.